Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast. This is your host, Brennan Bolin, joined alongside my partner, Ed Hunt. How you doing today, my man? Pretty good, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, brother. I mean, we're coming off of arguably one of the best weeks of college football we watched and I mean it, it may not even be a stretch to say in years we had some of the most exciting exciting matchups we've seen in a very long time we had the Red River showdown that you know we saw a 21 point comeback and that Arkansas Mississippi shootout but and, you know you even had the Iowa comeback against Penn State but you know we know we know what game we're here to talk about today and that's Alabama getting knocked off by Texas A&M of the first unranked loss by Nick Saban since 2007. So this this is this is big news. This was an exciting day for college football. I know everybody that's not rooting for Alabama is a very happy man right now and uh, man or woman, excuse me. But um Ed, what is what does that win mean for Texas A&M and what does it mean for Alabama? I mean, did Alabama just get outplayed? Is this a different Alabama we're seeing this year? I mean, what went wrong? I, I don't really like want to jump to blaming Alabama because I don't think Alabama is really the problem. Uh, I think I think it's mostly um, you know it was just a game where really I mean it was a shootout and it was at the end and Texas Texas A and M had the ball last and they played a great game. I mean you know we we just have to hand it to the Texas A and M Aggies for the game they played. Yeah no I agree Ed I think. This was a very big game for for Texas A and M. You know, Jimbo Fisher came out and said they were they're going to stick it to Alabama, and that's that's one way to you know live up to your word. So you know, Texas A and M was they were looking forward to this game. They had it circled. Um, they've been planning for this one for a long time, and you know, Texas A and M they they just wanted this one more. Like you said, I don't want to. And this is Alabama's first loss since 2019, so obviously it's it's still the probably the most dominant team in college football. But A and M was there to play, man. They they were winning in the trenches. They were physical, and they just they made the plays when they had to. Amani Richardson had that great pick where he bobbled it a couple times and was able to come down with it, and they were just you know able to make plays after plays and get the stops that they needed and. You know, to be able to almost blow the game, you know, let Alabama get back into it. And, you know, I, I think the fact that Alabama was able to prevent a blowout in a game that very well could have got out of hand because A&M was in well control of that game at one point, but Alabama's offense was kind of struggling. and They were able to make points off of special teams and defense to, you know, bring them back in. And I think that's still a, that's a great sign for Alabama fans. Like, obviously, you guys, this... It, Everybody has a bad game. It happens. And I know it's weird for Alabama fans to experience it. Everybody has a bad game. So um, I, I totally side with you on this one. Ed. This is definitely one you have to credit to Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say for, for Texas A&M, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he, he made speeches and said he would beat Alabama in the Nick Saban era, and he did it, and he did it on his 56th birthday. So credit to Jimbo Fisher. He made good on his promise to the, the fans of Texas A&M Nation, um, Aggie Nation. So um, I, give him, I give him mad props for that. Um, and 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 then just one thing that I, I want to mention too is Zach Calzada. I mean, this is you know this is not you know 
the guy who was supposed to be, you know, the guy having the year that he's having, um, you know, being the starter. And, um, you know, he looks like a guy who can who can win the game on the last drive. And that's what he did against the Alabama Crimson Tide. I think now he's the guy for the Aggies. You know, it, it, I mean, it, you know, Kellen Mond, I mean, that's a hard loss to have. But I, I, I believe Zach Calzada can be the quarterback for the next two, three years. Um, you know, maybe he has some NFL potential. Um, you know, he's he's already exceeding expectations for me. So, and and just going to Alabama, I mean, th- th- they can run the table, and they, they'll be they'll win the na- if they run the table the rest of the way, they'll be national champions again. Like you can lose. You can lose one game in college football, especially against a team like Texas A&M, who's probably going to end the year in the top 25. Absolutely. Yeah, and so I, I see, I see, you know, Alabama not being in trouble. Um, you know, but you know, if Alabama falls behind in another game, the pressure is going to be on. You know, but I, I, I honestly think just. Like you said, Texas A&M wanted this game better. I give Texas A&M a lot of credit. I mean, you know they they uh, you know that they, they were they hung in there last year too. I mean they were controversially you know po- possibly could have gotten in over Notre Dame uh, last year. So I mean this is a good football program. Jimbo Fisher's doing a great job with that team, and uh, you know I, I think I think there's a little more pressure on Alabama, but um, you know I, I I I don't I don't I don't take them out of the the college football thing but i mean I, you do have to say i mean college football got a lot more interesting after this loss right like now now it's like okay maybe not alabama slam dunk right like now it's maybe you know you know can georgia hold on can their defense hold on you know is there is there another team out there you know is iowa is iowa pining for that you know can they get in the playoffs and you know, can they make a run? So I, I think it's I think it's a wide open year for college football, and that's exactly what we need. This is probably the most exciting um, playoff bracket we could see for I I mean since playoffs have possibly been a thing. You know, to get a non power five school potentially to come into the playoffs, and you know, to Georgia potentially be that number one team, and Alabama maybe having to fight for a spot you know, late, late in the season. So, um, it just brings a whole new level of excitement because, you know, it's, it's not like it's going to be Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, you know, all again this time. We're, we're getting some new faces and it's so nice to see. So, uh, I really, I really think this is, got, we're, we're in for one of the most exciting seasons in college football playoff history. And, um, you know, with, with all, with Alabama losing, it shakes up the, it shakes up the rankings in college football. I, I want to hear what you think are the top five best teams, Ed. We know what the AP polls think. What are your top five teams? Give me give me your best team in college football right now. Uh, I'm going to still say Alabama's number one. I mean, I think that offense is undeniable. Uh, Bryce Young's having a great year, so he's proven himself you know, to be worthy of that five-star rating, uh, to being the Alabama quarterback. So they're number one for me. Uh, Georgia's still number two for me. Uh, you know, Georgia's number one right now, but they're number two in my rankings. That defense is outstanding. I'd probably put OU three. Um, you know, even without Spencer Rattler, um, I still think they're a great team. I think they're a team that can put up a lot of points. Um, I think they're the, probably the number three in my power rankings. Um, 
Number four, I think, you know, the fact that Iowa beat Penn State, um, you know, they're the favorites to win the Big Ten. The Big Ten is a difficult conference. I mean, I think, you know, when you when you kind of do the math, I think they're the second most difficult conference in college football, you know, behind the juggernaut SEC. So um, give Iowa a lot of credit. Um, and then on my number five, I'm going to put the Bearcats. Um, you know, that, that win over Notre Dame, I mean, it's – I don't. I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be, uh, you know, the team that they. You know, I mean, Notre Dame may be top twenty-five worthy, but they may not be. Um, you know, with those quarterback troubles, they may not be that sort of top ten team, top five team. So, but you know what, the Bearcats, if they win the games that are on their schedule, they deserve to be in the top five. All right, I like it, Ed. I like it. Um, I definitely. I got. I got similar teams, but I'm a little shooken up differently than you. So my best team right now, I'm I'm going with Georgia. I'm going with Georgia because, um, you know, we know college football is just such an offensive sport now. I just I love to see a dominant defense, and you know this this could even be a defensive bias. I've I've grown a loving for defense, so to to be this dominant of a of a football program while relying on your like not even you don't even necessarily have to rely on your defense. JT Daniels has shined when he has to be. And one thing that really has impressed me about Georgia this entire year is when they're when a certain positional group or a certain aspect of their team is called upon in the biggest point of a game, they they make it work. Offensively, they could not get anything started versus Clemson, so the defense balled out. Uh, when when JT Daniels wasn't having a great game, the run game was effective. I mean, uh, that Arkansas game, they were able to run the ball nonstop. And then when the when the running game's not open, JT Daniels has shown that he you know he can be relied upon. And they're also absolutely dominating at both lines of scrimmage, and that's something that I haven't noticed out of, out of Alabama this year, and that's why I I can't keep them at number one right now. They're just losing at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball a lot more often than you'd like to see for a number one overall team. And, you know, in the, in the biggest games of the season, trenches win you the football game, you know. Um, it's a lot, a lot of the game is won in the trenches. So when it comes down to it, I, I really think Georgia is the most successful team in that aspect. Number two, I'm obviously, I, I have to stick with Bama. I mean, this is their first loss since 2019. And like we were saying, Texas A&M just played a hell of a football game and and it may have been the more physical team there, but Alabama necessarily isn't that like same punch you in the mouth, super, super physical team we've seen the last few years. They, you know, they just rely on a lot of speed and an elite talent. And, you know, obviously they've made it work. And um, Nick Saban's the greatest, the greatest college coach of all time. So I don't expect this loss to, you know, demoralize them or anything. It, it happens. And I, I think Alabama's going to bounce back win win out and you know they'll be they'll be a top four team and make it in the college football playoffs and I truly think that the only team in college football right now that it come playoff time that would have a chance to beat Bama is Georgia uh and then number three I'm going to have to go with Iowa uh once again defense 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 I love my defense man and to have 10 interceptions in the last two games alone I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, three ranked wins. Their their t- turnover differential is 2.5. Uh, that's almost a whole takeaway higher than second place in the league, which is 1.8. So to to get you know three more uh, takeaways a game than your opponents, 
it's it's kind of hard to not you know not be a successful team doing that and they're not just getting takeaways they're getting points off of their takeaways they have 16 takeaways this season and they have scored 75 points off of them so um they're not just getting the ball back and then punting it they're capitalizing they also showed resilience in that penn state win and resilience is is a very important aspect in you know in a, a team that you want to make a push th- for the playoffs i mean a lot of people can go out there and beat the crap out of somebody, you know, by 30 points, but not a lot of teams can come back down two possessions or three possessions against ranked teams. So to see that out of Iowa really impressed me. Number four, uh, I am going to go with Oklahoma. Resilience, once again, I think that's a super big aspect of, of a talented college football or any football team. And if you want to be a playoff competitor, you have to show you can overcome things. And down 28-7 to in that Red River showdown and Texas was playing great football. I mean, uh, the the move Lincoln Riley. I I have so much respect for him to you know make make that call and bring in Caleb Williams and you know sit sit your star Spencer Rattler. I I respect that call and you know it shows he's willing to make whatever adjustments he has to to keep his team in the best you know position to succeed and. You know they put up 662 total yards against Texas. I mean they they can they can shoot out with anybody in the league. And Caleb Williams showed that he is able to really expand that playbook. So if they continue to go with Williams um, from here on out, that Oklahoma offense is only getting more diverse. And then lastly, uh, you have to do the Cincinnati Bearcats. You and I are rooting for these guys so hard, and I know it, Ed. We we want to see a non-power five team make it to the playoffs, and um, it's just. They, they, you know, they beat down Temple 52-3. to Desmond, uh, Desmond Ritter has been lights out. Um, they've proven they could beat ranked teams such as Notre Dame. And, you know, Notre Dame's got a great defense, but didn't didn't matter to Desmond Ritter. Man man was balled out, and he was a winner. Uh, I also, they, they are just so focused right now. You could tell how dialed in they are. And that's all they really need to do to stay, to stay in this race for the college playoffs. The rest of their schedule's easy. And if they're winning their games 52-3... to I really think they have a chance. Everybody on their team has been awesome. Last week, they allowed three drives that went over the 50-yard line. So I just every Desmond Ritter's been great. The defense has been good enough. The run game is... They ran the ball for 300 yards last week. Jerome Ford has been excellent. So they, they just beat the crap out of everybody they have to. And when it comes down to it, I think they're going to struggle with one of the other four teams we mentioned. But I think they can make a competition out of it, Ed. And that's my top five ranking. I think we had all of the same teams there, but a little bit of a flip and flop. Yeah, so, I mean, that's shaping up so that, uh, you know, there's an SEC championship and, uh, you know, Georgia-Alabama SEC championships. We've seen that over the years. That that can be a really awesome matchup. Yeah, no, I know. I agree. This, I mean, and this, this week was, it, it doesn't get better than this for college football comebacks after comebacks and shootouts after shootouts but speaking of comebacks i wanted to point out the chargers overcoming a uh 14 point deficit against the cleveland browns hopping over into the nfl now that that was one of the most as a browns fan it was it was a little demoralizing but that was one of the most exciting fun football games i've watched in the nfl this year and i i find myself saying that every week but i mean it's this we are in store for some incredible football right now and it's just we can't take any of it for granted because this is like Justin Herbert was somebody a lot of people were expecting to have a sophomore slump, but he's proven that there's no such thing as a sophomore slump for Justin Herbert. I mean, the Browns Chargers game to to be able to put up 40 plus points and lose that game. That's tough. I mean, what 
how were the Chargers able to, you know, pull this out after coming down 14 points? What does this mean for the Chargers? Are they a legitimate team now, Ed? Yeah, I, I definitely think that Justin Herbert is legitimately one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, I, th- I think at the quarterback position, they're one of the strongest teams in the league. Um, offensively, they're very strong. I, I do I do think this is a playoff-worthy team. Definitely a playoff-worthy team. You know, now that they've beat Cleveland and they showed that they can, you know, compete in these types of games. One thing, one thing I do want to point out is Stefanski's move. It, it was basically a great move of clock management. Where I mean, teams have let players have kind of score and you know to to kind of get the ball back and you know let them get a touchdown, get the ball back, and you know it's 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 a chess move. Um, but you know now now it was it was almost like the Chargers on that play in the fourth quarter where they they actually got near the end zone and the Chargers were like trying to go down and the Cleveland Browns actually pushed him into the end zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. John Johnson runs around and literally, you know, wraps up Austin Elkler and they're like, "No, buddy, you got to get in. We need this football back." Yeah, which I mean, you know, I mean, like it's I mean, if you're not a if you're not a if you're not, you know, a big football fan, right? Like it's not, you don't understand why the, well, you don't understand why the Cleveland Browns would do that, right? Right. Yeah. But but I mean, it, it, you know, if if Belichick did that, we'd say, you know, if, if Belichick did that, we'd say Belichick playing chess, right? So I mean, Stefanski playing chess, saying, hey, you know, playing the clock management game, because it wasn't just that you know they were tackling them or letting them get in the end zone. They were basically saying, we need the ball and we need the ball now, right? Like we're we, you know, we need it now, and um, that move, I think was a you know an NFL coach who in his second year is saying you know what I've I've mastered the game I'm going to do something different that no one else is willing to do you know I I believe in the stats and the and and the strategy and so forth so I I think I think right there then I think Stefanski proved himself as one of the best chess players in football in the NFL but I want to hear your ta- your take on how he managed that game going down, you know, in the fourth quarter. So, Ed, I'm I'm super happy you asked me that because I I am as you know as big of a Kevin Stefanski fan as it gets. I mean, he's aggressive. He likes he wants points, and um, there's time it hurts us, at, but he's just it's very unique to what Cleveland has ever seen. You know, he he wants to win football games, and he's proving it with his play call, but. It's just, it's it's kind of a, a repeating occurrence. His late game situational call, and it's always on the last two drives of the game, it is almost mind-numbing. It's, it's and I I I'm give, I want to give Stefanski his credit. I don't want to sound like, you know, an ungrateful Browns fan because he's really, truly one of the best things to happen to Cleveland in the last 20 years. But he just got to get better late game. He has to get better late game. Nick Chubb broke one for 51 yards and a touchdown. He's been, he, had, he was averaging nine yards a carry that game, and you gave him the ball three times after that touchdown, okay? It, it's just, it, where's the thought process within that? It's late game. You need to control the clock. You are having a hard time picking up first downs, and uh, I, I'm not discrediting Kareem Hunt. He's been phenomenal, but Kareem Hunt has proven what he is for the Browns. He's a third down guy. He's a red zone guy. He's a pass catcher. He's a short down guy. 
if it's first and 10, second and 10, third and 10, give me Nick Chubb. And he's proven why every single year. His yards per carry in the fourth quarter has been over 10 yards since 2018. And you haven't utilized him barely any in the fourth quarter this year. And to go and run the ball on second and 10, or excuse me, third and 10 in a one point game on the second to last drive in the game, I can't comprehend your thought process. And after the game, uh, he said something about our uh, tackle issues. And, you know, you, I don't think he, I think he was saying that there was not going to be enough time with how uh, our issues were playing out on the line. But I mean, that's just the worst excuse ever. You have to make a sacrifice or take a risk in that type of, in that part of the game. It's a one point game and you're running the ball on third and 10 on your own 20 yard line. It's just, I don't, I can't comprehend the thought process. I really can't. And then to, uh, to, to throw the ball on, you know, every, every down when you should be running. He just, I, I don't know what his thought, thought process is late game sometimes. And I truly think if, if you're not trying to throw the ball, I like, why, why wouldn't you run the ball on first or second down and try to make third down easier for you? Instead, you try to take two 20 yard shots down the field. It leads you to third and 10. And then you run the football with Kareem Hunt. I mean, I just, what is the thought process behind that? The Chargers have stopped you the last three drives or something like that, and you think you're going to be able to get two huck-it-up balls? It's just, it doesn't make sense. And I also want to be a little critical of Baker Mayfield. On the last drive of the game, he was so locked in on his, on his original read. He kind of, I, th- I think he knew who he was going to throw the ball to before it happened, and uh, he missed a wide-open OBJ on, a, I think it was a second or third down that would have made it, a much more manageable. I don't know if he would have picked up the first, but it would have been incredibly manageable. And it's just, I, I am the biggest Baker supporter in the world, but um, I was telling Ed, I, I'll be critical when I have to be. And he needs to, he, his field vision needs to get better, especially in late game. And uh, I, I just, it almost makes me question like how Stefanski views what Baker can do because if you're really telling me you want to throw this ball on third and ten in a one-point game, I mean, what? Why at that point? At that point, why not just try to throw it 70 yards downfield and get a and try to get a hail mary? If it gets picked, all right, so be it. It's a punt. I I just it's I don't think he. I think he's maybe even overthinking it, trying to oversmart them when in reality, it's just such a simple thing. And that's why we lost that game. We also lost the game because the defense can't close out when it matters. And this was the same issue they had last year. And I'm sorry, I'm rambling on here, but this was a game the Browns should have won. Um, We could talk all about that defensive uh, pass interference that was called on A.J. Green. It was one of the worst calls I've ever seen, but at the end of the day, the Browns blew a 14-point lead, and they had an opportunity at the end, but play call ruined it, and and we we lost that game. I'm not I'm not gonna blame the refs. That was that was a Browns loss. The char- and I wanna um I, I don't want to keep rambling on, but I want to give Justin Herbert his credit. That guy is phenomenal. I mean, um, Miles Garrett was able to get in the backfield a lot, and anytime he was on the run, he was able to find Mike Williams, you know, 60 yards downfield, and the dude just doesn't miss on a deep ball, and right now, I really think Herbert is my MVP favorite. I know there's a lot of other guys, but it's a hot take. I I know, I know, Ed, (laughs) I know, but man, he's, he's playing lights out, dude, and just what he's been able to do with what people were expecting, that's not a good offensive line he's working with. It's not. The defense, it's been all right. 
it's been all right, but it hasn't been what it, what it should be. Joey Bosa is not playing great football right now. And what he was able... The Browns' defense last week held the, held the Vikings to 65 rushing yards. Nobody holds the Vikings to 65 rushing yards. That, that's a very, very, very good running team. That's where Stefanski got his run from, is from Minnesota. And, you know, Madison just ran for a, a, a buck 30 last week. So the Vikings know how to run the ball. We held the Bears to 46 total yards, and I get it was a it was a bad bad offensive showing by them. But the Browns' defense is good. I get it. There was there was holes. We had injuries, but at the end of the day, I don't want to make excuses. And Herbert played lights out against a defense that has played great the last few weeks. So, I just I just want to I want to go back and just talk about one thing, and um, you know Stefanski. I agree with you. Nick Chubb should be on the field, right? Like he, you know, whether he's going to be a paper tiger or whether he's going to actually run the ball, he should be on the field, right? Kareem Hunt shouldn't be on the field. So I'd love to know if, you know, Nick Chubb was hurt in that situation because that makes no sense to me. But I will say this is I've seen so many times, you know, a team with the lead go in and run the ball twice get actually creamed at the line because they know the run's coming. So it's like, you know, second and 12, third and 13, and all of a sudden it's third and 13 and they have the ball and then they throw it, you know, they throw it on third down and, you know, they know the pass is coming and they just, they play it so predictably that really they only get three plays and their job is to run the clock out. So I will say, I, I I like the idea of saying, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up and I'm gonna throw the ball, right? I, I do I do like that. Like I do like the thinking outside the box and saying, you know what, sometimes the easiest answer isn't always the best answer, right? Because the, the logical thing to do is to say, I'm gonna run it on first down, I'm gonna run it on second time, and then I'm gonna throw it on third down to get a first down, right? But the thing is is the defense knows that. The the defense knows that's the most convenient option, right? So if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going to take that away, right? I'm going to take, I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to take the run away on the first down. I'm going to take the run away on second down. And I'm going to have my best, you know, man coverage package on third down, right? So it's, 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 it's too easy. I like it when coaches mix it up, right? I like, so I give Stefanski that reason. But the fact that Nick Chubb was not on the field and Kareem Hunt was being relied on in that situation makes no sense. And I think I, I think I want to know what Nick Chubb's injury situation was in that situation. You know what, Ed? I actually I really like what you said. And and here, let me rephrase what my my complaint actually, um, because you 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 put it in a good perspective for me, and I see the thought process. I don't necessarily like, you know, not even I don't like the call to throw the ball i don't like the route concepts they ran and i don't like the the play call in general that they had i get trying to catch them off guard but it was like a you know one of those huck it up like you know 20 yard uh try to catch it one-on-one down the sideline to rashad higgins and i love me rashad higgins you know i go to csu he's he's a csu legend i love rashad higgins that's not that type of player on on a on a second and first down, when it comes down to it, I'm not throwing a jump one on one ball to these guys on the on the sideline, especially especially a play that has a low completion percentage chance. That's that's a low completion play, so you're you're risking a chance to stop the clock still too. So 
One guy that was having a day out there was David Njoku. They were running one-on-one -on -one coverage that last drive. And so I don't know why you're not trying to give yourself an opportunity to, you know, maybe have David Njoku work against a linebacker because physically they didn't really have a guy that matched up with Njoku well that game. And he was he was having himself a day or I don't understand why it wasn't a quick slant route concept. Like, Ed, I totally get what you mean by, you know, running the ball or excuse me, throwing the ball there, trying to switch it up a bit. That does make a whole lot of sense to me. It just, to, to huck it up on the sideline and to just kind of throw it 25 yards downfield is not the call I would like to see there. I mean, I, I, I will say, I will say, I agree. I mean, if you're going to throw the ball, I mean, high percentage throws, right? Quick slants, you know, over the middle, you know, screen plays, dink and dunk. Like, that's what you do in that situation, right? Like, you're already throwing the defense off enough by passing the ball, right? I'm just I'm just, I'm just, just saying I give Stefanski credit that he didn't just say inside run right, inside run right, you know, your typical intermediate passing play on third down. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. No, absolutely. And yeah, I, I can totally agree with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it came down to defensive struggles, and, and that's why that's why the, the Browns were giving up a 14-point lead. But um, speaking about defensive struggles, one team that has really, really been hurting from their defense is the Kansas City Chiefs, Ed. And this is, this is historically on pace to be one of the, if not the worst defense in the history of football. And that is not an over-exaggeration. I mean, they are bad, Ed. And then... And, We've seen it. They're they're in trouble. This is they've lost as many games this season as they they went. Uh, they had two losses last year and then four and four. So they're already at three losses right now, Ed. And that is is this concerning for Chiefs fans? Are the Chiefs really in trouble because of their defense right now? Well, let me put it to you this way: I I don't think I don't think the Chiefs' season is lost. Um, I, I really don't. I do think they're, they're going to be a playoff team when it's all said and done. I think that I think there is a weakness. I, I think Legereus Sneed has been a liability in coverage. I think that's a big problem. I think especially him in coverage is not so much stopping the run, but just him in coverage and him playing a key role in that defense. I think that's an issue where they need to make um, a change. But you know this team this team was killed by injuries in this game. I mean. They lost, you know, you know, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now he's on IR. Joe Thunny. I mean, he was there. He was their big free agent signing, and then you know they lost one of their core special teamers. Um, Travis Kelsey left the game in the fourth quarter or the second half. So, to be honest with you, you that those injuries happen to anybody, right? You lose your Travis Kelsey. You lose your Edwards-Hilaire for the season. You lose Tyreek Hill, like. There just aren't many teams like you can't you can't you can't just expect Mahomes to just turn water into wine by himself, right? Like like you just you just can't. But I mean, this Chiefs team's gonna get healthier, right? They're gonna find replacements. They're gonna get healthier, and you know what? Maybe the team they're playing in the second half of the season is gonna be struggling with injuries, and they're gonna be healthier. I mean, injuries injuries and attrition are a part of the game. They lost that part of. The attrition part of of this part of the season they lost, and I think that's the reason why they're three losses. But to be honest with you, Oakland, it's not looking good. Uh, Denver, it's not looking good. So, to be honest with you, I think this is the Chargers' division. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's definitely between the Chargers and Chiefs. We know the situation with Oakland is not pretty, and Denver, their quarterback situation is not what they were expecting. But um, and and you were saying like all these injuries. Like I don't, I don't expect Mahomes to go out there and win that game with everybody battered up. And I get the weather was a huge factor that game. I think as soon as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey's back healthy, they're putting thirty points up a game. Um, I'm not worried about their offense, but the, I I want to give you some numbers Ed, on how bad this Chiefs defense is playing right now. Um, they have the highest yards per play allowed in the NFL history by a half of a yard. They're allowing 7.1 yards a play. That's that's the first down every two plays. Um, Chiefs opponents are also scoring 3.3 uh, 3.3 points a game. Do you know who else scored 3.3 points, a, uh, or excuse me, not a game, a drive? You know who else scored 3.3 points a drive? The 2007 Pats offense. So the you're letting the entire league average the one of the greatest offenses in the history of football. Uh, the Chiefs are onto the start of their worst defensive, or the Chiefs are starting to their worst defensive start ever. They've allowed a touchdown on 41 percent of their drives. Not 41. There's not another team that is above 33 percent. They're not gonna win football games like this. And I I get it. Injuries happen. Injuries happen. But. 41%? That's that's unbelievable. Uh, they also are mightily losing the turnover battle. They, they have a negative seven. That's, that is so hard to win football games. If, if you have, that's, have the ball seven less times, that is so hard to win games like that. The only team behind that or in front of that is Jacksonville. So you, you only have one less turnover differential than the arguably the worst team in football right now. It is just like, like you said, I think this is the Chargers division to win. If, if Herbert is playing like he is, this is absolutely the Chargers division to win because their defense isn't all that great, but it is miles, miles above the Chiefs. And the Chiefs also have a much harder schedule left than the Chargers. So uh, I think the Chiefs are absolutely set up to win second in this division. I don't think the season's over. Come playoff time, if this defense does not make drastic changes... I mean, like they they have to make a huge like trade, like splash signing something because it's it's not gonna get better if you don't do something about it. That game they played without uh Frank or Chris Jones, and they it was the worst defensive showing they had this year. It was bad. And I, one person I want to point out that's that's robbing them is Frank Clark. That dude is is non-existent for this football team. So he was supposed to be a great addition to this team, and he's done nothing but hurt this team since he's been here, quite honestly. Um, I think it's a serious, serious consideration to look into trading him before the deadline. Uh, I just, you're not getting what you want out of him. He's hurt you more than he's helped you. You're paying him more than you'd want to. I really think that the Chiefs need to make a big move before free agency's over um, because you're kind of struggling at every level of your defense. I, I, I see I see what you're saying on the defensive side of the ball, and you do need to make stops. I just think this Kansas City Chief has team over the last few years has has never really been like a, a, a they've never been a top ten defense, right? They're they've always they've always outscored you, right? Like that's that's the way the Chiefs win, and I I mean I you know in the off season. They're gonna have to make defensive changes and so forth. What if, what if you know before the trade deadline, you know the 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 Chiefs get a get a cornerback? Do you think do you think that could fix things for them? I think it would be a huge huge addition because 
uh, you you saw, you know, I, I don't want to discredit Emmanuel Sanders or anything because he's been having a great season, but, you know, 30, 33-year-old Sanders is torching you guys. Uh, I, I really think cornerback and uh, defensive line is by far their biggest concern right now uh, be, because they, they both connect with one another. If you can't get pressure, you can only cover for so long. So uh, And you don't have any, other, other than Matthew, you don't have any high-level players in the secondary. So uh, I really think getting and you don't even have to get necessarily a, like a big-name corner. Get somebody that's efficient in man coverage that can, you know, kind of, take control of somebody's, you know, really good number two or maybe stand a chance against the number one, but you don't have anybody that, like, I really think if they were to go and play a, a team like the Rams that when you have guys like Robert Woods who's playing great, Cooper Cup's playing the best football of his life, and Deshaun Jackson to take a guy over the top, I, I think that Chiefs team loses by, right now, with all the injuries they have and everything, they lose by a very... Big Martin, like not. I don't want to say three possessions or anything. I could see that being a 10, 12 point loss by the Chiefs. Like I just really think, if they play any team with any sort of depth at the receiver position, they're gonna get walloped. So yeah, I, definitely, Ed. I think that I think cornerback is the position they need to go out and get. You know, talking about talking about the AFC West and the Chargers already. What it, what about this matchup we have next week? Chargers versus Ravens. This very well could be the game of the year again. Each week, we're getting a new game of the year. Last week, it was the Browns and Chargers. This week, it's going to be the Ravens and Chargers. This this one could turn out to be another shootout like last week, and the Ravens just came off of a great comeback win. Both of these teams are feeling great about themselves. I mean, Ed, I think this one's going to be a shootout. I, I do think this is going to be a close game. I don't know. If, I don't know if I would use the word shootout. Uh, with the Ravens, uh, you know, I think the Ravens' defense is a little bit better than to say shoot shoot out against the Chargers. I think I think the Ravens will be able to keep Herbert in check better than um, the previous week. No, I I get where you're coming. I I totally get where you're coming from. The Ravens' defense is probably, um, if not the best defense they've had to play this year. Uh, I will say though, I mean, Justin Herbert just came off of the best day or the best game of his career. Uh, both teams are teams that have proven they can put up 30 plus points when asked or when needed to. And I just, I don't really necessarily know if they have, if the Ravens have the depth right now to stop Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. I just, I really think that there is going to be a few plays where, uh, Mike Williams finds a way to get over the top again. I just, they, they, they find a way to do it every single week. And I, I think that this will be a big test to the Chargers or to the to the Ravens uh, defense, especially the secondary. I will say the Ravens secondary has probably been the most impressive aspect to me of that Ravens defense this year. Uh, so I, I would, if, if they want to continue to prove to me that they could be the MVP of that defense, I want to see them have a good game against Mike Williams because right now Mike Williams is proving to be a top five wide receiver right now. That's not an over-exaggeration. He's putting up incredibly ridiculous numbers. Um, finally coming into his uh, number eight overall pick form. So uh, I I think I'm going to have to, I, I think this will be a close game, but I think I'm going to have to disagree. I think it's going to be a shootout still just because Lamar showed that when he needed to, he can go out and score 22 straight points. And uh, Mark Andrews just came off of a 40-point fantasy game as well as Lamar. So uh, these are just both offenses that can score when they want to. 
And I really think that the Chargers have a weak run defense, and that's why the Browns were averaging eight yards a carry. So I think the Ravens will have a great game on the ground. Uh, the, Justin Herbert's going to be airing it out. I, I fully agree with that. I was going to say that, but you, you, you beat me to the punch. I'm glad you noticed that because I think that's I think that's how the Ravens have to win this game because Lamar has proven that he can throw the ball this year uh, more than ever. I mean, last week, I think he just broke the record for the highest completion percentage while throwing for, what was it, 400 yards or something like that? So, But I, but, but, but but I, do, tr- I do want to say this about the, the year that Lamar Jackson is having is he is getting great pass protection from this offensive line. Like, he is getting great. Like, with Ronnie Stanley out... This team is picking it up for him, and they're giving him plenty of time to find the right receiver and complete it to his man. No, I'm glad you pointed that out, Ed, because that's actually something I haven't heard anybody else really give credit to. Um, Because if I'm correct, wasn't this supposed to be kind of the weak point of this football team coming into the season? Because you had the injuries, and I think you lost a guy. I I remember a lot of people saying that this could be a tough year for the Ravens' offense because of those O-line injuries, but... They, they might, you know, come out to be a strong point of this team. And it's not so much Villanueva as just, uh, you know, it just the Ravens seem to find these guys that aren't high pedigree guys and turn them into good linemen. And they're really, you know, he's dropping back. He's waiting. He's letting the play develop. He's making good decisions. And Lamar Jackson is doing it as a pocket quarterback and he's mixing in the run, which is exactly what you want him to do at this point in his career. No, 100%. And uh, I think this this has proved that Lamar has, he has evolved and he's a coachable, very coachable player. And it, it, that if this season doesn't show how hard of a worker Lamar Jackson is, I don't know what will. I mean, his first three years in the league, four years, whatever, was criticized so heavily about not being able to pass the ball. And I was one of those people. I said, if you stop the run, you stop Lamar. And man, I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. And I am willing, more than willing to admit it because I... I hate I hate to admit it as a Browns fan. I have all the respect in the world for Lamar, and like you said, he's been able to be a pocket passer this year, which is something nobody's ex- really. A lot of people were doubting. A lot of people were doubting it, and I I, I got to give Lamar his credit. He is the man. I do want to say there is another another scrambling quarterback that uh, that's making his case as the MVP, uh, and I th- I think he's got something to say about being you know being the best team in the league. And that is Kyler Murray with the Arizona Cardinals, off to a five and zero start. Ed, what do you think about the Cardinals this year? Are you are you not buying it? Are you are you thinking that they could be favorites right now? I know I know this is only five weeks in, but they have proven to you know be probably the most dominant overall team right now. Well, I think I think there's five things, five players that are really stepping up for this team. Kyler Murray is having a great year. He's established himself as a top 10 quarterback in this league. He's a young quarterback. I feel very good about the young quarterback situation in this league. I do believe the NFL will continue to prosper with these young guys, Murray, Herbert, Burrow. You know, these these names are really, you know, showing up for the NFL. Um Mahomes, even even you know he can include him in that. Uh, Christian Kirk, uh, who really really in his first three years didn't really impress me. This year he's really impressing me. He's another guy. J.J. Watt, probably probably the best. I mean I mean if if all money's equal, right? And there's no salary cap. J.J. Watt is the best acquisition 
of this offseason, right? Like he 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 is he you know, they're putting him on the edge. He's playing great. He's helping this team. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. So JJ Watt, you know, and he's staying healthy. He's staying healthy. So I think that's I think that's a factor. And Buddha Baker. I mean, Buddha Baker. I mean, talk about a guy who was, you know, early second round having a great NFL career. Uh, you know, this is this is a guy who plays safety. This is a guy who's a playmaker. And I'm really impressed with the YZ from Buda Baker. Ed, I'm so happy that you you gave players stepping it up as the you know as the reason that this team is so successful because that's exactly what I was thinking. A lot of guys that people didn't think would make that jump or maybe thought were washed or something like that. They've been proving everybody wrong. There's a lot of people that have stepped it up and been a couple levels ahead of what they what they, you know, were expected to be. And I'm really happy you said J.J. Watt's name because I was watching that Titans game really closely against the Cardinals, and there was there was a play on the goal line. They're, they're set up on the one or the two, and J.J. Watt does a swim move, which is, you know, if you're doing that on the goal line, you better make that play because you're opening up the biggest gap in the world. And so he, he's able to open up a swim move, get around to the complete opposite side of the line, and tackle Derrick Henry before he gains a yard. I mean, it's... That is that is seriously. I'm not saying he's at the level he was in his prime, but that is a prime JJ Watt play. There's very few players in the league that would have made that play, and it just goes to show that JJ Watt still has some left in the tank. Two other players I wanted to point out because you you've touched on the other guys that I wanted to mention. AJ Green has made his presence felt again in this league. Uh, even though it's not necessarily big numbers, it's been the big catches. He's been making big catches on third down. Um, great, like, highlight real catches for touchdowns. He, The last three years on the Bengals, the dude has been killed with the injury bug. And it, it's, as a Browns fan, I've always had a, a very large amount of respect for A.J. Green because I've, I've watched a lot of A.J. Green. And we kn- you, you know as a Steelers fan, too, how talented that man has been throughout his career. And a lot of people were starting to count him out because of these injuries. And it's really nice to see him, you know, kind of rejuvenate and find himself again with his Arizona Cardinals offense. And the last person I wanted to point out, Ed, you had a chance to interview this guy, Rondell Moore. He has been quite a difference maker for this offense. And uh, I really think it's a guy that's kind of going under the radar throughout media. He's He's been making some great catches. I mean, there was one on the sideline last week. The, the defense was, it was perfect defense. You couldn't have played it better. But he just makes an, an immaculate one uh, sideline catch. It's just... People thought he was just going to be this guy that could take the top off, do reverses with him, which he can. He, he's proven he can, but he's also proven that he has hands. He's been hitting the jug machine, and I really think that you have a ridiculous amount of depth offensively with this team. DeAndre Hopkins, Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, not even to mention uh, Edmonds. Edmonds has been incredibly improved for this uh, for this team as, as the running back. James Conner is top five in touchdown rushes, so I think this is... That's a lot of names of people that were kind of falling off or weren't really expected to be what they once were, but they've they've excelled. They've elevated to their games to their younger selves, and it's a lot of guys. This Cardinals team is kind of built with a lot of guys proving themselves, and I think it's come together very, very well for them. They have a lot of guys that have a lot of mental things to prove for themselves, have a lot to prove to media, and it's it's worked out well. This is a hungry football team right now, Ed. I definitely think, and 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 from a receiver's perspective, 
This is a team that can win matchups. They can outrun you, right? Like you need to have fast corners. You need to have good safety play. You need to have good secondary play to beat this team, right? Like yeah, that's 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 really how you beat this Cardinals team. No, absolutely, Ed. Uh, it depth on depth on depth, and yeah, you mentioned it earlier with with Buda Baker because they they could they you need depth to stop them. They already have the depth to stop you. They have guys in secondary that have proven they could play ball this year. Um, I think I think this is a lot more of a complete team than we were expecting. And you, you know, actually, Ed, there's one guy you and I forgot to mention that has stepped it up this year, and that's Isaiah Simmons. They finally have kind of found a role to put him in. And he's been a big time tackler for him. You know, I want to go back to that Titans game because they just played so freaking lights out that game. They Derrick Henry struggled and Isaiah Simmons was in the backfield making a lot of big tackles, a lot of tackles on third down. So I'm really impressed with this team right now. And Ed, I got a question for you, my man. They did start off the season six and two last year. We've seen a lot of good Cardinals teams the last two decades, but every single one of them just kind of finds a way to implode on themselves whether it's you know it could be due to a big injury or something but they just kind of become predictable Cliffs Kingsbury is not really changing the offense to keep defenses on their heels it we saw it last year is this season different is it too really to say are you buying this Cardinals team right now Ed I'm gonna say that there are teams in the league who have better depth than the Cardinals, right? Like I think there are I think there are teams in the league that just, you know, you look at you look at matchup per matchup. I mean, there there are teams in the league that can win in other places. Uh, you know, they have about five or six guys who are I think carrying this team. But really, I mean, I think there are teams with better depth and so I I think the Cardinals are definitely a playoff team. I think they make a run, but um when it's all said and done, somebody else is going to win the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, I I don't see them as uh, they're they're definitely not my Super Bowl favorites. I don't think this team is built for a Super Bowl quite yet. Um, I I mentioned that the defense can play, but I don't think it's a Super Bowl worthy defense. I don't think it's lights out enough. I think it's a, a defense that can see much improvement for the rest of the season. But I I really do think that this is a team that finds its way into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean you I couldn't say it better. I think they they have offensively I think they do have some of the best depth in the league defensively I think they have enough when it comes to regular season but if you if you they, they've been able they've been lucky staying healthy right now so um, you, you have to hope and hope that you're not losing any star players because like Ed pointed out that they, they are lacking a little bit of depth on that on that football team ladies and gentlemen I just wanted to thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Blitzcast this has been a great time, great week of football, and we have another fantastic week coming up, and uh, it, it doesn't get better than this. I wanted to thank you again, Ed, for being on the show. Uh, it's always great, my man.